Well, promises are all about trusting someone with the future. Uh, it can be a big thing or a small thing, but promises are all about trusting someone with the future. Uh, when a dad tells his son that he's going to be there to watch him play his game of footy, well, the son is trusting that come Saturday, dad will be there to watch. If I tell you that I'll meet you at the shops at 3 o'clock, well, I'm promising you that when 3 o'clock comes around, comes around, I'll be at the shops. I'm calling on you to trust me that I'll be there when I say I will. Promises call on us to trust someone with the future. Now, this morning we're starting a short series in Genesis, and it's a book with its eyes firmly fixed on the future. Over the next three Sundays, we're going to be looking at chapters 12 to 25, and this morning we'll get up to chapter 18. And in chapters 12 to 18, what we're plainly taught is that God is a promise-making God. In these chapters, God makes grand global promises, promises that take in all the world, promises that reach into eternity. And through Christ, God still makes these promises to us today. And so this morning, God calls on you and he calls on me to trust him with the future. But not only that, these chapters also impress upon us that we're to trust God through whatever is happening in life. Whether you're going through a rough trot or going through good times. Whether you're scared and lonely or content and sure, whatever's happening where to trust the promises of God. In Genesis 12 to 18, God makes promises to Abram in chapter 12, 13, 15, 17 and 18. Over and over again, he keeps making promises and the repetition signals to us that they're important and so we're going to look at them in a little bit of detail. But what's, what's another thing that's interesting about the promises is that each time it's basically the same promise. It just keeps getting repeated. What changes is what's happening to Abram on each occasion that God gives the promises. So we're also going to look at the different things that was happening in Abram's life and see what lessons there are for us as we too put our trust in the promises of God. But first, what are these promises? We're up to point two on your outline in the middle of your bulletin. The first time God makes the promises to Abram is what Andrew just read for us in chapter 12. Uh, But the promises just don't fall from heaven out of the blue. Uh, The promises of God in chapter 12 are God's answers to what's happened in Genesis chapters 1 to 11. So what's happening 1 to 11? Well, chapters 1 and 2, opening opening chapters of the Bible, God is introduced to us as the all-powerful, good creator of everything. God simply spoke and everything came to be. God's words bring life, good life. The picture of God's creation in chapters 1 and 2 is that of blessing. Everything and everyone enjoying the blessing of God Almighty. God's words bring life and blessing. But tragically, in chapters 3 to 11, life and blessing are replaced with death and curse. Humanity descends into sin and rebellion against God. People are wicked, proud, murderous godless there's Cain murdering his brother Abel there's the wickedness of the entire world that results in the flood there's the pride and independence of the tower of Babel and the result is death and the awful judgment and curse of God Genesis 3 to 11 
is a picture of the world spiralling further and further and further down into evil. And so by the time we get to the end of chapter 11, we're depressed at what was lost. And we're wondering if there's a way back to the way things were before. Well, enter chapter 12. Like a breath of fresh air, the words of life once more come from God. Beginning in chapter 12, God has words of promise, words of life and blessing again. So let me read chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 to you. And as I do, see if you can hear God's promise of salvation, God's promise of getting things back to the way they were, to once again have his people under his blessing, in his place, just like it was in Eden. So chapter 12 and verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whenever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The curse of God is to be replaced with his blessing. Five times God says, I'll bless you. I'll bless you. In fact, all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And the blessing is to be like it was back in Eden. In Eden there we had God's people, Adam and Eve... They were in God's place in the garden and they were enjoying God's blessing. Well, here God's promising to have a people again. He's going to make Abram into a great nation. They're going to be in God's place. He's going to give them a land and they will be there to enjoy God's blessing. And so what we have here in chapter 12 is God promising to get things back to the way they were before. That through Abram, God would save people from all nations save them from sin and death and bring them back to blessing and life. And all of it was to come through Abram. And through him it did. The great descendant of Abram, the Lord Jesus himself, came to make these promises good. In his death and resurrection, Christ has won the forgiveness of sins. By his victory over death, Christ holds out the gift of eternal life, assuring us of a place in the new creation, the ultimate place of blessing. Through Christ, God still makes these promises to us today that we can be God's people, enjoying his blessing, sure of going to God's place. It's in the face of your sin, in the face of your death, in the face of God's judgment against you, God himself through Christ, makes promises of eternal life and blessing to you. These are grand, generous, gracious promises. And now remember, promises call on you to trust. And these promises of God himself, well, they demand that you put your trust in him because if you don't, you miss out and you remain in sin and death and judgment and only hell awaits so put your trust in God but back to Abram Uh, God made these promises of life and blessing to Abram in chapter 12 and then God repeated them to Abram again and again and again and each time God did something different was happening in Abram's life to make these promises of God seem empty But God kept imposing himself on Abram's life to remind him that his promises still stand. 
And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at all the different things that were happening in Abram's life and we're going to tease out how we might find ourselves in similar shoes because we also need to be reminded that no matter what happens, God's promises still stand. Now, the first time God repeats his promises to Abraham is in chapter 13, but the ideas in this chapter are more fully spelled out for us in later chapters, so we'll think about them in a couple of weeks. The next time God repeated the promises in chapter 15. You might want to like to turn to that one. In chapter 15, God repeats his promises in the face of fear. Uh, You'll remember God had promised to make Abraham into a great nation, but he didn't even have one child. Abram's wife Sarah was barren and Abram was afraid that even if God gave him everything else, then when he died, his inheritance would go to someone outside the family and so it would be lost. At this stage in his life, it looks like it's going to go to Abram's servant, Eliezer. Now in the ancient world, it was bad enough that you would have no direct family line. But in Abram's case, What would also be lost is these grand global promises of life and blessing from God because all of that was to come through Abram. But if he's got no children, and Abram was afraid. But in the face of Abram's fear, God repeated his promises. Have a look at chapter 15 and verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now, did you notice that as I read, God knew that Abram was afraid. The first thing God said to him before Abram had said anything was, don't be afraid. God knew Abram's fear. He didn't need to be told. And so God assured him by reminding him that the promise still stands, the promise of life and blessing and descendants, it still stands. Don't be afraid. Have you ever been afraid? Ever been afraid of God not coming good on his promises? That God's promises of eternal life and blessing through Christ, well, they're actually empty. Have you ever been afraid that you're wasting your life, spending all your time and money and energy to see others put their trust in Christ, to see others keep their trust in Christ? Have you ever thought that the future that the Bible holds out to us, well, it just sounds like a fantasy book, like Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that apparently there's this other life out there, there's this new creation coming, but that it's all just a fantasy, something made up that we read about in a book. Have you ever felt the fear that the grand promises of God are actually nothing but empty words? In the face of Abram's fear, God repeated his promise. But for us, we've got it much better than Abram. We too, we've got God's promises, but we also know of God's beginning fulfilment of his promises. God's already come good. In the historical event of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, eternal life 
and blessing have already begun. And so in our fear, we look back to the empty tomb and we hear God say, don't be afraid. Abram looked to the stars in the sky and God said, so shall your offspring be. We look to the resurrected Lord Jesus and God says to us, so shall you be. In Philippians chapter 3 we read, we eagerly await a saviour from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. But it might be other promises of God that you fear. Like his promise that we're to seek his kingdom first and God will look after everything else. And maybe you get afraid when your children take that promise seriously. Or you will get afraid when your children take that promise seriously. When your kids come home and they tell you that they're going off to Cambodia to go and tell others about the Lord Jesus. That your kids actually trust Christ. When Jesus says that we shouldn't fear people who can just kill us, we should fear God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Is it at these times, will it be at those times, that you will be afraid of the promises of God? We look to the resurrection, don't we? And know that the future of God's people is assured in eternity. That life and salvation and blessing is ours through Christ Jesus in the new creation, in Christ risen from the dead. God speaks to our fears. He assures us of his promises that they are filled with substance. And so we're not to be afraid. Now God gave his promises again in chapter 17. This time it was in the face of sin. Uh, Abram's wife Sarai, she had had no children. But as we've just read in chapter 15, God promised Abram a son from his own body. He has the word of God. A son will come from your own body. That's chapter 15. And yet in chapter 16, the very next chapter, we see Abram trying to give God a helping hand. Nothing's happening with Sarai. So Abram sleeps with their maidservant Hagar in order to have children. Big mistake, Abram. And of course, it does nothing to help matters. Uh, family life becomes incredibly tense, as you can well imagine. Uh, Hagar falls pregnant. Uh, Sarai becomes jealous. Hagar is sent away. Hagar comes back and has a son, Ishmael. And there's rivalry, hatred, bitterness. It's all a mess. And it's into this mess, this sorry situation that was caused by Abram's sin, that God repeats his promises yet again. After Abram's regrettable decision in chapter 16, this is what we read in chapter 17. I'll pick it up from verse 3. Chapter 17 and verse 3. Abram fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. You see, God not only repeats the promises here, they become even grander. Abraham is going to be the father of many nations. Kings will come from him. It will be an everlasting covenant. And what we need to remember is that God says all of this after Abram's sin in chapter 16. 
Abram's sin didn't wipe out the promise. God makes his promises and keeps his promises with sinners despite their sin. Now that's good news, isn't it? Because as Christians, we still struggle with sin. We still grind away with our selfish, independent desires. And sometimes the grind can get you down. Maybe even to the point where you wonder whether you're one of God's people anymore. As you think about your sins after you've asked God to forgive you, well, it can make you wonder whether God will still have you. Do you ever feel like that? That maybe your sins have wiped you out of God's book of life? Well, what we're seeing here in Genesis 16 and 17 is that God's promises stand even in the face of the sin of his people, that despite our sin, in the face of our sin, even your sin, God's promises still stand. It's just like the wonderful promise that we have in 1 John chapter 2, where the apostle says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if you do sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. So if you're here this morning and you trust in Jesus Christ and his death to to forgive you of your sins, then as you struggle with sin, when you lose a battle, know that the war has already been won for you. Christ Jesus himself speaks to the Father in our defence. God in his grace and in his goodness makes and keeps his promises to sinners. Sinners just like you. Sinners just like me. And so if you do sin, continue to trust in Christ Jesus who speaks to the Father in our defence. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. The next time God repeated these promises to Abraham is in chapter 18. And this time it's in the face of impossibility. In Genesis 18, God appears to Abraham and declares that within a year, Sarah will have a son, which on the face of it is absolutely ridiculous. We already know of Sarah's barrenness. At this stage in the story, Abraham's 99, Sarah's 89. Talk of children is just plain silly. But here in chapter 18, it's taken even one step further. It's not just that Sarah is old and barren, it's that her body can't physically have children anymore. She's beyond the age of childbearing. It has become impossible for her to have kids. We're going to pick it up in verse 9. It's a weird scene. God appears to Abraham in the form of three men. And in chapter 18 and verse 9, they're talking to Abraham. Verse 9. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. Now we need to spare a thought for poor Sarah here. It's been 24 years since God first made that promise of descendants. 24 years of not having children since the day God said that you would. Now if you've ever had fertility issues or you know of people who've struggled to have kids, you'll know that those 24 years were a long 24 years. The pain of infertility is a very deep pain. But Sarah perhaps had it even worse, for she also had the very word of God promising her that she would have children. And now she's beyond the age of childbearing. She physically can't do it. It's impossible. But here God pinpoints a son. In the face of impossibility, God's promise still stands. And of course, God came good. More of that in a few weeks. But for now, have you ever found yourself feeling like Sarah? Feeling like the promises of God, well, they seem impossible. How about the promise that one day this world that we live in will be replaced with a new creation? Sounds a bit unreal, doesn't it? I mean, this world that we live in, it it just keeps going on. It was going on a long time before we came along. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, it's all the same. Sun comes up, I get up. I do what I have to do. Sun goes down, I go to sleep. I wake up in the morning, I do it all again and again and again. The cycle just keeps on going. And it's been going for so long. It's hard to imagine that one day it'll stop and that another creation will be brought in. A life and a world that's beyond the grave for all those dead before it comes. Sometimes it just sounds a bit much. Life after death, a new creation. Have you ever thought that the promises of God are impossible? Well, again, we need only look back to the historical resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because there in Christ we see there is life after death. That in Christ, the new creation, it's already begun. Christ already has his resurrected eternal new creation body. He's got it. God's promises of eternal life in the new creation, they are real. And that just as Christ came once, he'll come again. And that he comes to bring in his final and complete salvation of his people. This is God's promise to us. Just like the Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 3, you must understand that in the last days, that's these days, in the last days scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, days like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand, slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where rightly 
trusting in the promises of God, that all God promised to Abraham will be finally and completely fulfilled at Christ's return. God's promises still stand. And so no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what will happen in your life, put your trust in God. In the face of your fear that God's promises are empty, in the face of your struggle with sin, in the face of the seeming impossibility of God's promises coming true, train your eyes on the resurrected Lord Jesus because there we see God's promises have come good already. There we see God's victory over sin and death. In Christ we see the gift of eternal life and blessing. In Christ we're made into the people of God. In Christ we're blessed by God. In Christ we're waiting to be taken to the eternal place of God, the new creation. In Christ, the Lord God Almighty has made promises. So let's put and keep our trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you make promises and that you always keep them. Thank you that we can trust you with our future. Thank you for the sure hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, that in him we have the forgiveness of sins. In him you have already granted us eternal life and that we wait for him to come for us, to transform our lowly bodies, that they will be like his glorious body. Father, thank you for your sure and certain promises. And we pray that in the face of our fears, our sin, and the sometimes seeming impossibility, Father, we pray that you would keep our trust in you. Amen.